We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to be doing a quick preview of free agency. Now, this is going to be for the Lakers, and then we're going to expand it out to kind of some of a lot that's happened, right? We recorded yesterday. If you haven't listened to it, had a lot of fun breaking down Dennis Schroeder's game. And we find ourselves in a place now that we have Schroeder. Danny Green's gone. 28th pick went with him and we have kind of a different composition of the team we also had some news today of javel mcgee opting into his contract avery bradley opting out i didn't hear anything on rondo kcp has opted out and the lakers waived quinn cook uh he had a three million dollar salary only one million of that is guaranteed so that one million will stay on our books but they clear two million of cap space by letting quinn cook go and as an aside Happy travels, happy trails to Quinn Cook and to uh, all to Danny, to all the guys that have that have left. Thank you for your contributions to a to a great season. But now the Lakers find themselves with only a few players under contract. And Darius, what direction 
do we go in now? We've got free agency coming up at, on Friday at 3 p.m. And, and so there's a lot of ways this can go now that weren't necessarily the same before this trade went down. Yeah, I, I also, too, just wanted to reiterate, like, a shout out to Quinn Cook. Shout out to Danny Green. We mentioned Danny mm-hmm. Green before, right? But but shout out to both of those guys, high-level contributors. Um, shout out to Avery Bradley. I don't know if he will be back. There's a possibility that he could be back, but he did opt out. And so he's he's a free agent. The um, Rondo's expected to opt out, right? He was, I think, making the minimum. So... Mm-hmm. Um, there could be a higher payday for him out there. So let me run those names by you again, Pete. That's Quinn Cook, point guard, Avery Bradley, who started, you know, at, or he defended point guards, at least. Nominally, he was the point guard. Danny Green, starting shooting guard. And the and who's the name that I'm missing here? KCP. KCP, who is also reportedly going to opt out, right? So that's all of the Lakers' guard depth right there. So when you're asking me which direction the Lakers need to go in, they need to shore up their backcourt. So let me kick it back to both of you guys here. Um, What's the priority here? In-house? Out-of-house? I got some egg on my face here from the conversation that we've been having around KCP, right? But I think he's clearly the Lakers' priority here. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to Rob Palinka on this one. So Palinka Palinka did a press conference this morning, or really a Zoom call, right? That we all jumped on, and it was mostly about Schroeder. But as it went on, he started to get some questions about other pertinent topics. Kyle Kuzma, for example, he got asked specifically about, and he got asked about his approach to free agency. So I'm going to read you the quote here. He said, at the fundamental focus, we'd like to keep as much of our core players together to repeat as possible. Continuity is incredibly important. One of our strong points in the bubble was just part of the mental grind and challenges of playing away from family and friends and how we operated together. I think the team that came out of the bubble with a trophy, in addition to having the right talent, also had the right chemistry to survive the Lord of the Flies experience (laughs) in the bubble. For your younger listeners out there, I hope you guys read that in school as well. Uh, I know we did Mm -hmm. back in the day. We don't take that lightly. Palenka continued. This was a group of guys that fit, that worked together. But if there were opportunities to get better and address needs like with Dennis, we'll take advantage of those. So the... The quick summary to that is I, I don't think that changes with opt-outs or whatever. Those guys in theory still could uh, be signed to new deals and come back. He wants to keep it, most of the roster intact if possible uh, and then make moves that make them better, such as, as we all discussed at length, shooter for green uh, plus the pick is a, is a move that made the Lakers better. So uh, that's how Palenka summed it up, Pete. Anything stand out to you from his comments? No, just the, the idea of... That temptation of running it back versus trying to continually improve, it's it, it would be very tempting to go that route. But I also consider from the perspective of we covered a lot of ground at the Lakers did as an organization over the last year if you or the last season. If you think of where the Lakers were at the end of the 2018-19 season versus 19-20, winning the championship aside, right? Like that's the ultimate ground to cover. But there were they got a lot of a lot better, right? They got they got an idea of who fits around LeBron and AD. There were a couple of guys that started last season on the team that weren't there later, right? Like it's not like every move that they made worked out, but this is part of I what I'm what I see with with Palenka is that like, hey, what are the areas that 
are truly our core. He talked a lot about our core today too, right? Of like the, the core guys going forward and then trying to improve in, the, in places amongst guys who were less of that core, right? That, that maybe we can find more complementary pieces. So while he improved, obviously he, he improved the team significantly last season, there, not everything was a, a, a home run. Not everything was a success. And they need that, that ability to use this offseason to kind of compound on what he did from last offseason. That I think was an underlying theme of a lot of what he said in the press conference today. All right, Darius, let me redirect another Palenka quote. And this one I liked. I, I think that judging from the likes on Twitter, so did Laker fans in general. He said, our approach to free agency is to be aggressive. I think there are a handful of teams that hope to contend and we're not going to just sit back and not expect others to get better. We have to stay aggressive. The danger of winning is complacency and we won't allow that to creep in here. We're going to try to continue to improve our team and put Coach Vogel and his staff in the best possible position to defend. And our owner, Jeannie Buss, has given us all the resources at hand to do that. So we'll be aggressive in making sure that we increase the probability as high as we possibly can to get championship number 18. Now, you, uh, I know Darius, you've pulled together some numbers and such, but d- of the of you know where the Lakers could possibly go in terms of spending their money, and part of it, of course, depends on uh, as we find out the rest of the opt ins or opt outs. But does that, how does that square with Palinka's comments there about what they want to do with the roster? No, I think that the Lakers do have enough flexibility to be aggressive, right? Um, they also have the luxury of being the Lakers as a brand, of the Lakers being based in Los Angeles, of the Lakers being the defending the defending NBA champions, of the Lakers with LeBron James and hopefully, presumably, Anthony Davis, right? So they they check a lot of boxes for being a destination team within free agency. Um the Lakers do have the ability to spend um, a version of the mid-level exception. There are two versions of that. Um, there is the taxpayers' mid- well, mid-level exception. I should make it clear that the Lakers are not currently a tax-paying team, but using the taxpayers' mid-level exception, which is roughly $5.7 million, would allow them more flexibility because once you use the full mid-level exception, which is about $9.25 million, you get hard capped if you spend anything above the taxpayers' MLE. And so I would think the Lakers would want to avoid being hard capped. There is a bunch of gymnastics that come with that that you have to do if you really want to improve your roster because if you're hard capped and let's say um a really enticing trade is available to you in advance of the trade deadline you really have to make sure that you that that fits underneath the hard cap or else you won't be able to make that trade so so I'm more of the mind that the Lakers are going to have their taxpayer mid-level exception, that they have full bird rights on KCP, which basically means that they can pay him all the way up to his maximum salary. They have um, they have other sort of bird-type exceptions that come with any player who was on their roster last year, although those are more limited. So I do think that they have the ability to be aggressive, and it's good to hear Palinka say 
that. Now, some of that is GM speak. Every GM says that they want to improve. Right. Every every GM wants to have a better team than he had the previous season. But the Lakers are in a position where they're at the top of the league. They know that they are now the hunted. And when you're in that position, the last thing you want to do is get timid, right? And act like, well, we're in this position, come and get us. No, you want to start to hunt back, right? And I think it suits the mentality of this organization. I think it suits the mentality of the players that are on the roster to say that they do want to be aggressive and they are going to be aggressive because they want to remain at the top, right, Pete? Absolutely. And I'm curious on your thoughts, Mike, in that you've you're the most optimistic of us and you were the realistic one of, of us last year right you're like we've got lebron and ad and you say this some version of this all the time right like we've got lebron and ad this is a massive head start this team kicks ass you're going to win the championship stop being so paranoid right and how do you that said the the premise of continually trying to get better trying to win not last year's championship but next year's championship what you know with what direction does that go in, right? When we've got a team where right now we've got like six or seven guys currently under contract. Is this something where there's, you know, a lot of guys that can fit into this because we have such a massive head start? Or is this like, are you still of that run it back mentality? Where are you kind of, of what skills, skill sets do we need to get to where we need to go? Well, I, so I like to think that I'm realistic about it. The, when it sounds optimistic is when the team is really good. Because then, by being realistic about the team, of course, it's going to sound optimistic. Sure. AKA thinking they were going to win the title last year. But Absolutely. We, no, you were I, right. I, look, may, yeah. I could, yeah, yeah. I could be, I could be wrong though. Here, do you? Because I don't want to. I'm. I, it's hard to analyze the way that you are yourself. Um. I. But I do like to think that it's more of a. Um. Part of what Darius was just talking about. I. When you come from outside of LA and you get to LA, you realize the bounty of LA. You realize oh, yeah. the beauty. Of LA. You realize that it's like I have so much more appreciation just for today's 65 degree weather uh-huh. from growing up in snow. <laughs> yep. So like that's the part of it. And what and I think that it's the same thing for NBA free agents um, just with LA. And that's take out the Lakers history and tradition and the purple and the gold that now is forever embedded in the minds of players who now got to grow up. There was there's always somebody to grow up idolizing in purple and gold. Oh, I love right? that. That's now, such a latest, good way of putting it. Yes. There's always somebody and and that's what you need and you don't get that in a lot of places. So that's really where if you want to if you want to call it optimism, I think it's it's realistic to be optimistic about the Lakers. 100%. And, and that's 100%. the way I would put it. No, no, no. Yeah. So so like I said, you were you were right, right? Like you were the realist of us. We were the pessimists, uh, certainly myself. Um but, but that's but Pete, that's also that's normal that's normal for any fan, right? Sure. In, in any like in in any sport in any team, I think there it's it's dangerous to go the other way and be arrogant and expect uh, success to come, right? So Absolutely. so you're not wrong but, in that. Feeling. But that's yeah. why it makes your position on this especially interesting to me is that you are not kind of burdened by the lifelong fandom and the pacing around the room, right? And and the obsessing over what could possibly go wrong. You have kind of a, a more right. a, a, impartial observer type of way of looking at this. So from that perspective, Palenka is trying to get better on a championship team. What are the yeah. routes in which that, that can be done in a way that, that fits into your view of what this team is as that dominant team? Got Yeah. Got it. Got it. So 
the first element that I think is important to acknowledge is that there is no bad money on the team that they have to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And we've lived through a lot of that. And in, in, uh, not to, you know, we, we don't have to go down the Dang and Mozgov thing and then having to get rid of some of the draft assets just, just to come back to zero before you could get uh, LeBron. And so, like, all of that. So, that part, that part has been taken care of. Now you do owe future picks, of course, to New Orleans, and so that's that's the one thing that's sort of in the in the red uh, in terms of the ledger. But the way to minimize that is just to be pretty good for the next several years, which we think there's no reason that they shouldn't be pretty good. Uh, again, part of it's because the contracts, part of this, part of it is because of what they have in the roster. Now, I, I think the biggest, the quickest answer to your question is more about LeBron and AD um, and the the way that those guys play on the court, the way they get along off the court. All of that kind of stuff that's baked into this, and then the second part is that is the system that they have set up now with Palenka, with Vogel, um, with the blessing of ownership to spend money if they need to get into the tax in certain times and certain years moving forward. The Bus family has always shown a willingness to do so. Right, we're not we're not sitting in here having the conversations like they're having in Houston or in in certain places, even Milwaukee, about like I, I don't know this year. Like it, they've always shown that willingness to move on and make the move if need be. Um, and and that's even before we get to the fact that guys are going to want to team up and to come and join the Lakers and, and LeBron and AD. So there's I think there's what I what I can't find in Darius. Maybe you can help me out. I I haven't found a reason um to doubt any of that so far. And I I. Like I, I haven't found a good, um, a good counter to why the Lakers should be optimistic about this season um, and the next couple. No, they are the defending NBA champions. They have LeBron James. Um, hopefully, very early in the free agency period, Anthony Davis commits to a contract with the Lakers that goes for at least next season, and then you're off and running at that point. Right now, I will say that. AD currently is a free agent as well. KCP is a free agent. Dwight Howard is a free agent. The only players who are under contract for the Lakers right now are LeBron James, Dennis Schroeder, JaVale McGee, Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, and Taylor Horton Tucker. So there is some roster building that needs to happen here. I'm on board with what Mike is saying in that there are avenues out there to fill out this roster to make it as good or better than next season, right? And so, and I have confidence and I think that that this front office with the team that they put together last year has earned the benefit of the doubt, right? That they understand the type of team that they need to build in order to achieve at that level. And so, Pete, you were asking Mike this question, but now I'm going to ask you the same version of that question, right? Considering the names that I just mentioned, and let's leave AD out of this at this point, because I don't even want to go down that road right sure. now. With with the rest of the roster being needed to be filled out in the way that, that it is, A... Are there players who were on this roster last year that you'd like to see back? And B, are there player archetypes that you think are necessary? Not, not oh, that'd be nice, 
but that are necessary to get on this roster considering that there are you you know anywhere from 4 to 6 slots that need to be filled in in order to fill out the team. So yeah, there's I try to you know, reverse engineer it from the idea of what could beat us in a playoff series. And we talked about wing defense a couple of pods ago. That said, when I look at the wing defense market, I see a lot of like three or D guys. Uh, a lot of guys who one of the, or the other is, is a significant question mark. And I think back to last season and that wasn't the team, the team at the end of free agency and free agency, I think we'll go by very quickly this year. Um, I, I don't think the that timeline's there's, short, man. Like it's right. a condensed off season for everyone. I think that and there's no tampering Kawhi. is going on right now. And oh, it's, <laughs> dude, it's it's going to be popping. Right, and I don't popping think there's going to be a Kawhi where there's this one major free agent that a lot of other moves are kind of dependent on. Like like Danny, there's no domino. There's no there's waiting. no domino effect. Right. So I think things are going to go very quickly. And so at the end of this type of period last year, that was not the team that we went into the playoffs with. And so I would rather wait than compromise on on someone in that, like, I want us to, if we're going to have to bring in a wing defender and, and at least one, right, maybe there is somebody that at the right price, right, that we, we bring them in. But I'm not like, oh my God, we have to address this right now. We're in deep shit if we don't sign a wing defender that, sure. because a lot of the guys that I see the names, I'm like, I think that's maybe our eighth, maybe our ninth guy on this team. Yeah. And like, I would love for there to be more wing defenders on the, out there to where I, I feel that way with respect to our guys, KCP's a, like, we need KCP back. I would love to have Dwight back. I think Denver becomes especially complicated if we don't have Dwight or somebody similar to him. Uh, I think Jokic is one of the few guys that can score on AD when he wants to down the stretch. Um, and or or uh, in a big playoff uh, game, uh, uh, what? Why? What? It's a little strong to say it. You don't remember he, game he, two? One, I also remember. Like a, I also remember. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was one game, and it was four shots. Uh, three of them were on AD, uh, uh-huh. and they were incredible. I also remember AD packing Jokic sure. several times uh-huh. in the regular season and the postseason. So I would. I just wouldn't say when he wants. I, I'd say so, that he can score. That's all. Just push him back a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. Jokic's size advantage. Jokic is a dangerous. Can I just say this, Pete? Yes. Just to jump in because I. I see both sides here. Jokic is super dangerous. I think the Lakers would be would be wise to have as many players as possible to throw at him in the same way that teams would be wise to have as many guys to throw at LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Here, right? uh, let, Pete, let me let me ask you the let me ask you the Jokic question back for a second. Just to just to get just I don't I don't know if anyone will mind if we stay in this point for a second. If I had to pick one player to guard Jokic, and, and I could take anybody in the NBA. Like for a, I, I might take Anthony Davis. I, I might. I, I wouldn't, and it's would, not like you, look. You guys so who know would you what take? I think. How of, many players would you take ahead of him? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to. So I think you need to have a certain degree of size. I think what happens, and what I what I saw in that matchup, and now mind you, some of these were crazy jumpers, right? Where he'd hit, but Jokic is able to establish deep position and can has a jump hook over either shoulder where. AD is more of an upright defender. And I think that 
Jokic when he wants to. And this is the when he wants to part. Again, Anthony Davis is the best defensive player in the world. It's just that this particular type of player is the type of player that gives AD more problems than anybody defensively because there's that size advantage. He can back AD down, get three to five feet from the hoop and turn over his left shoulder with a right handed jump hook or vice versa with a left handed jump but, hook. But, but AD can still contest. And and he's the only guy that can that can contest at the rim that can actually that can guard him out on the perimeter because Jokic a lot of times sets up at the top of the key. So the guys that are going to hold up well in the post on AD, none of them can move their feet on the perimeter out there, and then he's just going to get ahead of steam. So that's what I mean by still like all all in all, I'd still take him. I acknowledge that sure Jokic is going to get some contested shots out on the block, sure. but like I'll take that. I'll take contested shots in the block if you want to try to ISO AD. Sure, that's fine. but but you get like Dwight did a fantastic job of what you're describing in that. Like Jokic is not going to beat you. Jokic still beats you with his size, even if he's attacking from 25 feet from the basket. He's going to dribble one way, then he's going to turn and spin. It's how Magic used to back guys down, right? It's just like physically overwhelmed with strength. And he can't do that with Dwight. Can I just say too that Dwight's useful against a bunch of other players besides Nik- like Nikola Jokic, right? For like, sure. This but, we isn't saw, the, but in the context- Dwight's not just a lefty reliever, right? To sure. like get out the single player and then that's it Dwight was a very effective player over the course of the full regular season and he has I think a special talent against a very key Western Conference foe and so from that perspective I'm all with you Pete that that's the thing is it's in this conference conversation uh this context of who do we bring back? And again, where I go is from the end of the finals and work our way back. And what was important? Now, does that mean we play Denver next year? But there were a couple of series where Dwight wasn't appropriate for that series, right? He did not get as many minutes, didn't have as big of a role. But Jokic and Denver, they're going to be a problem for the upcoming in yeah. the upcoming seasons. They having a guy that can help us win a series against Denver is significant to me, right? And if Especially in a league where and on a team where Anthony Davis is going to be the five 90 percent of the time when you really need him him to be having a guy who can win those other minutes. Like even if Dwight was that lefty reliever and was that guy where he can help slow down Jokic, that's worth it enough to me from a from a big in today's game. If you can help me win one playoff series, we talked about this before, that makes yeah. him very valuable. And he's he's important beyond that. So in the context of this conversation, it goes like KCP, Dwight, and then from like they're the two guys I would really like back. I really like Keith too. Um I'm curious to see what direction we go in there. But yeah, that's kind of my where I'm at with my like kind of guys I want to see back. What about you guys? Well, th- so I, I don't disagree with any of that. The The point I would add about the wing defense elements uh, uh, is another thing that Polinka touched on this morning and brought up, brought up Kon Kuzma, where, okay, he, and this is, again, I, I, I feel like I'm just reading Polinka quotes all, all pod, but um, this one is uh, this one should be stated here. So well, he's he said, important, Mike, so. Yeah, well, so, yeah. so he said, when you lose a defender and a wing player like Danny Green, I think, Kyle, we're going to count on him to step in and play some of that wing role as well. Uh, but he has the versatility to do it. He's been a great player for us. I expect that he'll continue to grow next season. Before that, he had talked about who's being able to play the three and the four. But we, we had alluded to this briefly on the last couple pods, guys. But I, I do think that that is a role that Kuz showed that he can hold up in. Uh, in, in, in it depends on if we're talking about, again, the absolute best guys like the, the Giannis's and the Kawhi's where he's going to need some help. But for the most part, um, he can he can handle some of that, and then you can get away with having Schroeder, Caruso, et cetera, um, on the, uh, KCP on the floor with him. So I, 
here, another way to put it is, I don't know if there's a, a wing on the market that I can come in or that I yeah. can sign for a reasonable number, and I'd rather play than Coos. Um, I agree with on, that. On the wing. That, that's, th- that's my point. Do you think Coos can be that like workhorse wing, not a perfect wing defender, but a guy that is responsible for most of the wing touches throughout the regular season, at least? And then when you get into the playoffs, like the first guy that starts on that star defender. This is a good conversation because when you said, do you think Coos can be that workhorse? One of the first thoughts I had to my mind is, I bet Coos would love to have the opportunity to be on the floor a lot. Sure. Right? Like, just to be on the floor a lot and have a clearly defined role that equals a certain amount of playing time where he can find a rhythm. What's one of the things that we've talked yeah, about this is great for, point. Like, for, for like two player. years yes. about Kuz, just a total rhythm player who, who needs to be in the game to touch the ball. And I feel like he struggled offensively this past season, but I don't think he let that impact his defensive effort. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think if he can commit to bringing that defensive effort and gets opportunities to be on the floor, I would love to give him the opportunity to say, okay, Kuz, you're 6'9", 6'10", like 6'9 and a half. You're a big dude with some nifty footwork. Right. Pete, you did a great video about Kuz's defense and and his ability to sort of play light on his feet and and turn his hips and be someone who can stay in front in sort of unorthodox ways defensively. And so is he, quote unquote, a wing stopper? I don't think so, but he has an interesting mix of size and quickness and want to at least go out there and, and and give you something that you know that just based off of a size aspect that KCP or even like a Caruso kind of can't, right? Mm-hmm. So if like you guys, if you don't see a really superior option out there in free agency that is gettable, I would definitely be looking for depth. Sure. On no, I think like, we need a like wing on the free defender. agent market, right? I would love for Kuz to be the like second guy we have to rely on in that respect, similar to this past season. And maybe that's not that's not doable, right? But um, do do you see him as being able to kind of step up and not just be the oh hey Kuz is playing good defense now, but Kuz you've got that that guy on that wing on the other team every night. Do you see him capable of that, Mike? It's a it's a bit of a question to that Darius hinted at, and that's the conversation between him and Frank Vogel. And Palinka, and what's the trade-off? So in games that if LeBron or AD aren't playing, then he's the one guy that can step up into that carry an offense for a night role. And so that element, I think, should be nurtured more ideally yeah. uh, by him getting some more shots in uh, in games where they are both playing. That gets trickier to do though, in part also with Schroeder coming sure. in, who is who's definitely he's just a really good um, offensive player um, who is going to be superior to any of the guards that the Lakers played. Period. Last year, um, and we're not calling LeBron a guard in this context, obviously. Right. So that's that's the one thing I think that that sort of does mitigate it a little bit. But if if Kuz is open to that conversation of 
hey, the minutes will go up, but we're going to need a bit more of the 3 and D. And then we're going to try to find ways, you know, maybe some ATOs, right? Maybe some ways to get you some shots, get you some rhythm. But, you know, this is why how we think that the team can win. Um, I just, there isn't a name that I see out there that I think I would I would bring in for even if it's just somebody that specializes in being a, a quote unquote wing stopper. I don't think they're going to be able to, whoever that guy is, I don't think is going to be able to give you what Kuz gives you on offense and in terms of continuity, uh, knowing when to cut, when LeBron's got the ball, all, all that little stuff. So I, I, my answer is sort of, it's not a direct, yeah, I think that he can be that guy, but I do think he can be the guy whose minutes go up if you need him to play 30 a night. And, mm-hmm. and like in that kind of a role, um, then I would be, I would be happy to do that. The, the only other, and, and by the way, I feel the same way about Caruso. I, I don't, yeah. there isn't a, a guy out there that I would sign that I'd be like, oh, I want him to play more minutes than Alex Caruso just because he's a quote unquote, like pure three and D wing or something that a guy that's six, eight and whatever. Like, I think Caruso is probably going to be better than that guy. So it's, it's a, uh, this is why it'll be so interesting for us to talk in like four days when, right. when the yeah. roster is actually set and we can have all these debates about who's going to be on the floor. I'm just, I'm not seeing the guys out there that I think should be playing over Kuz or Caruso at the moment. And Sunday's pot is going to be killer. It is. Yeah. It is. And I, that a, a lot of that argument that you laid out there is why I'm like, let's bring back KCP. Let's bring back Dwight. Let's bring back Keith and hopefully reserve yeah. a spot for a buyout guy. Right. If we need that wing defender, I, I think that our we will have better luck at that in at the buyout. And we've got the trade deadline as well. Right. We've got two other chances to significantly improve the roster. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a look a little more around the NBA in general. We had the draft. Uh, we had several moves. We're going to take a look at that and see how the overall landscape looks. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. So right now, go to Indeed.com backslash podcast. Terms and conditions apply, and the offer is valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over, and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So the the biggest news around the NBA, unfortunately, on draft night was Clay Thompson. Clay tore his Achilles. Um, it is Clay is there is no other Clay Thompson in the NBA, both on the court and off of it. He's one of those 
parts of the mosaic of the NBA that make it a really great sport to watch. And Mike, you've got all those years with with Michael, and um, I, I know you know Clay to to some degree as a as a result of that. Um, just I I'm crushed, man. I'm I'm just to to come off of what he just came off of. Boogie went through something similar last year, but Clay, man, Clay is just one of those dudes that that really makes the NBA what it is. It's just it changes. It changes the landscape of the league, but just on a personal level, man, like Clay, man, it's 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 so sad to see. Yeah, I this the place that it took me to first was all of the road trips uh, that we've been on over the years. When Michael Thompson sits in the fr- when you walk onto the bus, he sits in the first seats on the left, so that first row, and everybody you know kind of gets their own little row because there's only 15 of us or whatever on the bus. Stu sits on the right side behind him, or Billy Mack in Ireland, and then I sit in the row uh, right behind them. And Michael um, inevitably has the iPad out with the Warriors game on on League Pass, when, especially like if we're on the East Coast, right? And 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 I always have league pass open either on my phone or my ipad and and i'm all i almost always would choose if the warriors were on and especially when the lakers were not as good right they were the most fun team to watch and there was the added benefit that clay was there and and it's just fun to wind michael up like when clay was playing great um michael would be like well yeah but he only had three rebounds you know when he had 37 (laughs) points on so and then when clay when clay was struggling he would take kind of the opposite uh, point of view. And well, yeah, but the defense that he played. So, so he's a very sort of fair and balanced in that way, but kind of wanting to make sure that uh, like that's that's these are the kind of things that he would be texting Clay, right? He knew basically he knew when he needed a little pat on the butt. He knew when he needed a little um, a, a little smack, right? Uh, good like, dad vibes right there, yeah. Michael. Yeah. So good, good dad vibes. So like that's the part of this that's in, you know, having kids and it's just seeing thinking about my boys are six now and then the other one is three months old and i'm like i just i remember how much my parents when i I broke my collarbone was my first kind of major injury junior year in high school uh in soccer and i remember the look on my my mom's face and my dad's face or the look on my like my mom couldn't sleep for a week when i had back surgery like that kind of stuff on knowing michael and thinking about the parents now what what made me feel better about it was texting Michael. And again, now Michael's going the other way with this. He's like, look, he's, you know, he's going to come back stronger than ever. Uh, he's going to be, he's, he's good. Like we appreciate the well wishes. He, and Michael didn't say this explicitly, but uh, thankfully Clay has been well taken care of financially uh, and earned every cent of it. But like, that's another element that it doesn't take yeah. away that much of the, but still like he's, he's in a good spot. He's got a supportive family. He's, uh, he's, you know, he's going to have a chance to bounce back, but it, it just, uh, the, it's the personal stuff that, that stands out. And, you know, Michael being positive about it has, has sort of gotten me out of the doldrums a little bit about it. Um, and that's on a personal level. On a just fan of the NBA level, Darius, and you as somebody who lives up in the Bay Area, um, it just sucks too. Like, I was so looking forward to, you know, Lakers, uh, Warriors round two or something. or Return of the Splash Brothers, one, yeah. You know, and, and just like why, having big games there um, in it like that, that was in. And this is where maybe we should take this conversation now. There are some reports about them using the trade exception uh, to, you know, possibly bring in Ubre, right? As a, and, and that's going back from the Ego Dollar thing. But and we were on a text chain earlier, like if it's Steph, Wiggins, Ubre, Draymond, uh, and Wiseman, and like there's not that much else on the bench, and I, it's just a, it's hard to think, Darius, that the Warriors can, uh, can get 
to the point where they're winning multiple playoff series without Clay. At least certainly next season. We can table how it all affects moving forward. But that that is of interest, though, uh, when thinking about the Lakers, because this this was a team maybe if Clay's healthy um, that's that's got a shot to to take you out. And and I don't know if that's if that's there anymore. We had penciled in the Warriors. Remember during our Western Conference sort of contenders and pretenders and outside looking in conversation. We had penciled in the Warriors as being as one of those top four seeds, right? That we put them in the tier right below the Lakers with a team like the Clippers and the Nuggets, right? And that is in severe doubt right now. A lot of that was contingent on strong health for all of their players, right? And um, the expectation that those guys would return to form and just like both of you, and being up here in the Bay Area, I can say, and I think this is true league-wide, but especially up here, Clay doesn't have haters. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, everyone loves Clay. Yeah. Right? And in it's, it's interesting because for all the, like, there are people who will take their shots at Steph Curry. Like, not here in the Bay Right, but I think nationally he has a oh. bit of a rivalry oh, yeah. with like Other LeBron NBA James, oh, and, yeah. and and you know there was scoffing at the fact that he was the first unanimous MVP, and you know there's there's just a lot of stuff that goes with being Steph Curry. I think when it comes to Clay, Clay's just one of those revered, beloved, loved, yeah players he's an ultra competitor and the type of guy who you want on your team and afterward and after the game as a fan you'd probably want to go kick it with him right and mm -hmm. have a drink with him or maybe you you know share an herbal supplement of some sort <laughs> with him right um and you're most Michael. but 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 in getting back to the basketball side it's tricky man like Steph and Clay, when they're both going and healthy, that's the best backcourt in the NBA. And you don't lose a player of that caliber and not take a big step back. Now, if they're able to convert that trade exception into a Kelly Oubre, that's going to be helpful and it's going to be useful for them. Um, Oubre is a good player. He's a fine player. He's not a Clay Thompson. As Pete said, Clay Thompson's a one of one, right? But Ubre can help them in a variety of ways. He can compete defensively. He's got some um, athleticism and slashing ability, some shot creation ability, and he'll be a fine sort of like second or third option, right? Um, but the Warriors have taken a hit here, and that does have the potential of reshuffling the Western Conference, right? And there's been, it's an arms race right now in the Western Conference. Phoenix trades for Chris Paul. Portland's going to trade for Robert Covington, right? Like teams are making moves mm -hmm. out here and it's, and the Warriors, yes, they just added a wonderful big man prospect who's also a 19 year old. Right. He, right. Like, so it's tricky, man. Like I, I'm I'm not sure how much time you want to spend on the Warriors, but but it's a big blow to them and a big blow to the league. And as a fan of the game and someone who does live out here, it's like it sucks, man. It sucks. Sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It just sucks. 
Clay is so essential, just keeping it on the basketball side of things, having to me, he's the best player in the league at running off of screens, knowing how to set his defender up and getting to that that open spot, recognizing where that is and then having the shot mechanics to get that up off of literally any footwork that a catch and shoot guy or off screen shooter could come off of. And that is essential because off screen shooting is really, especially in the Warriors offense, is the the bark of the tree. They've got, you know, back cuts and they got split cut action that will get cutters going to the back. But all of it is predicated on the idea of, oh crap, we've got these shooters coming off of screens. And they've still got Steph, obviously, right? And that's part of what was so difficult is you've got two guys like that. But nobody else of who they have poses that threat for one. And they've got a lot of guys on that team that they do not have uh any experience like I don't know if they've ever played in an important game in the NBA Wiseman of course hasn't played in a single game in the NBA but a lot of the other guys both throughout the rotation Wiggins and even Oubre uh Oubre had you know the the run in the bubble that was about the closest that that he's gotten but a lot of these guys have played for bad franchises that and when you've got Steph and Draymond who've played in five consecutive finals and won three of them it they're very much on the opposite ends of the spectrum in that respect. And so I, I'm very curious to see how they work out, but both from a basketball standpoint and from a, there's such a gap between the ultimate veterans that have experienced the, the ultimate, you know, matchups more than almost anyone versus guys who have never played an important game in the NBA. Mike, they, they seem kind of like a, a mishmash to me. And perhaps that was even true with clay, but even, even now more so. Yeah, I think I think so. The the way to to sort of put a button on that is that we're the Warriors are trending down. Uh, just bottom line, obviously. Yeah, now yeah. there are, there are a couple teams in the West that I think are joining them there. Uh, one would be the Oklahoma City Thunder, just for next season. Okay, mm-hmm. they're stockpiling picks, but they are they are trading um, some of their key pieces, uh, most notably Chris Paul, and we'll talk about him in a second. Houston also appears to be trending downward. Uh, Pete, you alluded to, or uh, Darius, maybe it was you alluded to Covington going to Portland. We'll see what happens with Harden and Russ. Uh, there's, But I, I think that it's clear to say they are trending downward. Now, th- they were the four and the five seed last year. The two teams, actually, let's do this. The three teams that I think have a chance to rise up and potentially one of these teams could get into that upper tier, who I would say right now is the Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets, uh, are Phoenix, Portland, and Dallas. So maybe let's do this. Darius, you go first. Which of those three teams do you like the most? Uh, which of those three teams, and again, we have to wait for all of the final moves, but they've all made at least one significant move so far. Um, and it's Josh Richardson getting traded for Seth Curry to Dallas, Covington to Portland, and then Phoenix, of course, getting Chris Paul. Which one of those do you like the most? Which one of those would you least want to see uh, in the playoffs? Oh, man, that's tough. Portland and Dallas, to me, are super intriguing for different reasons. Um, I really like this Portland team. Um, I think Covington is going to give them a lot of what they've been missing as a versatile forward who... Um, is a really good help side defender. He's got some size, um, which is something that they really haven't had since um, Farouk Aminu. Um, he is a capable spot-up sh- shooter as a three-point guy. The Lakers saw that during their series. He doesn't have a lot of off-the-dribble to him. 
So he's not a guy who's going to attack a closeout or make a play for a, for a teammate, but playing off of um, Dame and CJ, I think, is going to help him. Dallas intrigues me. They gave up a good player in Seth Curry. Josh Richardson did not have a great year in Philly, but he has some dog in him, I think, defensively, which is something that I think Dallas desperately needs. And if when you're talking about players on the rise, I don't know if there's a player who is more on the rise in this league than Luka Doncic. Yeah, that's where I go is Dallas because I think Luka's an all-timer. I think he's well on his way to being that. And he does it via the pick and roll and any coverage that you throw at him he's like he's got he's better at some than others but it's they can he's too smart they can and he's too big and and skilled right especially he's got to I think improve his three ball a little bit to get uh, but he's still very young and is still a threat from there so they can basically spam the same play over and over again they had a lot of pick and pop with Porzingis I think what they're looking to do in Dallas is we're just going to run our offense through this guy and this play that we'll just, again, spam throughout and try to put more defense around him, especially on the wings, than they had last year. So I think Richardson is probably – I wouldn't be surprised if they added another 3 and D type because I think that that's the template that they're going towards. So with a guy who can run just about uh, – who can score out of any pick-and-roll coverage, who – you know, gave the Clippers all they could handle, certainly in that first round. They're the team that stands out to me with respect to Chris Paul and and Phoenix. They're the team that stands out to me as being able to jump into that class. Where do you stand on that question, Mike? Yeah, if I had to pick, I would probably go with Dallas as well. Uh, and for similar reasons with Doncic uh, being the clear ultimate difference maker in a playoff series and we saw it he they, they were able to push the clippers before the clippers started to get to the point where uh you know we know what happened in the next round with them my oh worry, yes we do know my worry for <laughs> dallas is porzingis who is coming into this season off of knee surgery not healthy uh mm-hmm. he's not going to play in the first couple of weeks and you know he is basically a max player right he's making 30 million dollars this year um hardaway has one more year at 19 million he's going to come off the books of course luca's uh incredibly valuable it, it was his rookie deal is and that's again that's part of why they can afford some of that other stuff uh, I, I do like the fact that Richardson comes in but like they're they're still a piece away uh, to me from you know from being able to really compete with the Lakers uh, in a playoff series but Luca can does sort of gloss over some of that because uh, we do expect him to get better as well Portland I still I'm just never going to really be fully into the to the Lillard McCollum backcourt uh, the small yeah. backcourt, I just I think there are too many ways that you can get after that. Covington is a really nice Band-Aid, though, uh, and they are replacing a little bit what they used to have in Harkless and Aminu uh, in that. But I I don't I, I don't know if that's quite enough. And then Phoenix Phoenix is intriguing to me because I think when you were saying the guy that's rising, uh, you're right that it is Luca, but Devin Booker Booker is too yeah, far he had behind. A hell of a year. Yeah. I mean he's Booker. he's just nasty. And think about crunch time. He's he's one of those guys where. You know, okay, I'm not comparing him to the guy that I was going to compare him to, but he he can get a contested shot off over defenders, and and you're probably more scared that it's gonna go than it's gonna go in than almost anybody in the NBA. Were you gonna say Kobe, Mike? You no, were gonna I'm say not, Kobe, weren't I'm you? Not, I, well, just just in terms <laughs> of, of hitting contested shots, but then I'm like, nah, I can't. There's too much other there. I, I no, I'm not. So I'm I'm officially not saying. 
Kobe there. But uh, just as a as a maker of tough shots, I, I guess Kawhi to an extent, right? Um, in from that mid range area, but Booker is better off the dribble still. I think just with kind of point guard playmaking skills. Oh, he's a monster Kawhi. scorer. Yeah, um, and so I like in a way, yeah. Mike. So so in a way, if we're not gonna go where Pete was trying to lead you a little bit. Um, no, and where really. honestly you led yourself and Pete was just sort of shining a flashlight on him there. Um, he is sort of like a, a six, five, six, six, like Kevin Durant, man. Like this dude has the full package as Durant would be the guy that, that hits that shot over whoever from wherever. Yeah. I, I, I have to get back into the, the frame of thinking because he didn't play last year, but you're right. He immediately goes to the front of that line. But yeah, with Booker and then like Chris Paul is really damn good. He just oh is. man. So like that team, they got some they got some real three and we uh, three and D uh, three and D three and D wings. Um, Aiton can develop some more. So like they're they're interesting to me. I I would not I would not be shocked to see them win a playoff round, uh, depending on what the matchup is. So yeah, they're uh, but all three of those teams I think are going to have something to say, and they they kind of vault. That's the top six to me uh, right now, and then. You know, then we get into the Utah. Utahs, mm-hmm. and you know, at that point, I guess Golden State, right, has to be there. Utah, Golden Utah. State, like Utah, man. Utah's they're they're an interesting team, man. Yeah. Like Mitchell took another step forward this past season. He had a really strong playoffs. Um, yeah, Conley's going into Bogdanovich a back. Yep, Conley's going into a contract year, and he's older, and he's not the same player that he was in Memphis for sure. Gobert is still what go like look. Gobert is a really good player. Like he, I know that he takes hits. He's not the most switchable defensive guy, and and I think it's easier to point out things that he's not right, especially in a league where we're seeing the decline of the traditional big. But he is basically a walking top ten defense. And when we talk about guys like that on offense, right, as like, oh, well, you have that guy and you're a top 10 offense, like those yeah. guys are super valuable. Well, top 10 regular va- season defense, I would sure. say. Sure. <laughs> yes. And Utah's an interesting team. Mitchell is they're a wild mix. card. Yeah, they're in that mix for he, sure. Like, he is not at Booker's level, but the battles that him and Murray had during the playoffs, mm-hmm. those were like, as an all time, those first are like, series. like, that was great. First well, those series, are yeah. like, like I've arrived moments. Sure. Right. And those are important. Those are springboard moments for a lot of players. And, and we'll see if he takes that step forward next. No, the, the West is formidable, right? You've also got in the, maybe the tier below the, we got next group of Memphis and Pelicans and, you know, Kings yeah. perhaps, right. That, that can all make an argument, at least that, that they can, push into that territory so the uh, t-wolves think they can make an argument there you know i mean and then we'll we'll see if houston houston is going to be on the back end of that maybe they do have uh, james I mean, harden I mean, on their team yeah, at least if, for if now they keep right? yeah yeah if they keep hard but man it's, it's it's a bloodbath out there oh it is the, the last quick yes. the last quick yes. note on the schedule the last quick note on the schedule did we talk about the fact that like the the whole 82 game versus 72 game means that the teams in the west play the other teams in the west 10 no times we short? haven't Mm-mm. okay so just just real quick note on that uh, that is going to be impactful. Like basically, this is the going to be the best year for the West record-wise that we have seen uh, in recent history because they get to play the East more as a percentage, and they're not and cannibalizing each other the entire season. Yeah, I mean, so so, so simply to put simply, 
you play, uh, of course, you play 82 games regularly. This year, it's 72. Well, 30 are against Eastern teams. Of course, you play each of the 15 teams twice. And then 42 are against the West. Typically, um, you would play 52 against the West. And so you play 10 teams, or uh, sorry, you play nine teams. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You play 10 teams four times and four teams three times. This year, you play every West team three times. And hopefully that didn't that wasn't too much no, numbers and there. But that's even yeah. better too because the Western yeah. the Pacific Division, especially in the Western Conference, we got us and the Clippers and the Suns and the Warriors and the Kings, right? So that's playing our in, inner inter inter inner division p- opponents three times instead of four will be a, a huge benefit. So parting thoughts. We're on the eve of, of NBA free agency. Go ahead, Darius. What's up? No, I wanted to bring up one more team. We're going long, and so I don't give give a damn. This is my podcast too, damn it. And so I wanted <laughs> to ask a quick question to see if what you guys thought about Philly. Philly's been a team that is super interesting to me. They They made a couple of trades for shooters. We mentioned Josh Richardson, right? He So he went from Philly to Dallas and... Philly got Seth Curry back. They're also reportedly going to get our good friend, Danny Green, right? They got off Al Horford's contract and we'll get Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson from OKC. Forget the forget the specific players for a second. What they're building and the style of play, do you think that translates to like much more success, maybe more success, or TBD? For you, just a quick answer. I think they're a second round team. I think they don't have anybody they can give the ball to to go get them a bucket in the last five minutes of a close playoff game. So until that gets addressed, their best run was with Jimmy Butler, with somebody who fit that description. In the absence of that, I don't regard them particularly highly. Are, are you on a different page than I am, Mike? Yeah, I'm buying into Philly a little more. I've, I've just, I've always been a little bit sucker uh, to this team. And now that they have Maury, who just, it gives you a chance to get. Another guy, if they need to, Pete, at the deadline or whatever, or from wherever he finds players, um, he's already made sense of what of a roster that did not make any sense in like. It a does week. make a lot more sense. That's a great point. And if just something to keep in mind, let's say that let's say that that problem that you mentioned um, is happening. Well, guess what they have? They have two incredible assets, um, which which could be moved for one of those other guys if if the mix needs to be changed some. So I am I am buying Philly. Um I have them as a title contender with four other teams um in the East. So Milwaukee, Boston, sorry Pete, Boo. uh Miami and Brooklyn. And you know, of course we'll see what happens with Brooklyn as well. Uh but yeah, so I I think they're in that mix. And I in Toronto, I'm apologizing to, I think that they're going to be really good, really scrappy, but they still have a couple of developmental guys. We'll see what happens with Van Vliet and they don't they don't have that guy um either right now, no. uh, particularly. So, um that's that team uh, is interesting, but I I'd, I'd have them kind of with Indiana um on the outside looking in uh, with the rest of that group. But yeah, man, f- for me, Philly's uh, Philly's real now. Philly's Philly's going to be in the mix. Well, yeah, Darius, I like Philly. You like Philly? I like Philly. I am an abashed Ben Simmons fan. Mm-hmm. I like Ben Simmons a lot. I do too. And I think that I like the move for shooting, obviously. I like unclogging things with getting Horford out out of there. Um, and 
in terms of they don't have a guy who you can give the ball to, um, I think that's a bit of a yes and no. They don't have a perimeter guy. Um, a motivated Joel Embiid is a tricky beast to tame. Sure. Is what I would say. And in the, he is not as skilled with the ball as Anthony Davis, right? But he is a similar force around the basket, I would say. And those guys are super useful. The rim is still 10 feet high. And, and this dude is a legit seven feet and really strong. And I just feel like there are things that when you're that big and when you're that strong and when you're as skilled as he is, that there are ways to manufacture points that way. It's not in the way that I think the league is moving, right? But um, but it's they're doing something interesting out there. And I just wanted your guys' takes because you know, well, to, I, I respect I, I want to add one thing to what you said about Embiid and what helps him to do the things that you just talked about is the shooting. Because now, if you're if you're late in a playoff game, and you're right, you're not going to have that wing. Uh, I mean, Tobias Harris can do it to an extent, but you know he he's not at that highest level. But you're not going to have that guy. So okay, give the ball to Embiid uh, on the block, on the pinch post, whatever, on the elbow, and you got Seth Curry on one side, you got Danny Green in the other corner, um, Simmons in this either on the bench or in the dunker spot in this case if you have shooting on the floor, and then somebody else facing up top. Well, then all of a sudden if if you want to try and double Embiid, which you might have to there, then then you're going to get hurt for it, and that's kind of the, that's sort of the thing that I like about the way that's that's the whole point of making of adding the shooting to the roster is that you're making life easier um, for the guy that's that's got to go to work and and also you know for Simmons with a space floor as well. So I I do I do think that that can come in, in handy, but they're going to have to prove it, and Embiid Embiid has a lot to prove because he has not mm-hmm. been at his best when he's needed to be. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm skeptical until further notice on them. Well, this was Fair this enough. was fun. Uh, happy free agency to everybody. This is going to be a, a big weekend, not just for the Lakers, but around the NBA. And we will be back on Monday to talk about everything that transpires over this weekend. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ains has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. Got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shot with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tap to Albert Gentry. 
That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.